military. Yeah, it needs to be for you. You have to make sure it's for you. Because it's not for any everybody. And it doesn't make the military bad. It's not bad. Law enforcement's not bad. Politics, in and of itself, not bad. But if the good people refuse to go into those fields, what other outcome do we expect? Right. But that those fields be filled with people who are not good. So, when we look at where we are in the lesson today, chapter 26 ended with the death of Uzziah. And in the homework, as we've, as we've tried to relate uh, the lessons of Uzziah's life to the lesson of today, basically we're looking at the, uh, the church, where are you, part of it. Um, apply the lessons of yeah of Zion's like to compare the priest speaking truth to power to today's political climate. So in in Uzziah's day, uh, as the pastor brought out, when the priest spoke to the king, they weren't just speaking to win a political point. Exactly. They were putting their life literally on the line to oppose the wish of the king. We don't see that in our country that often because we don't have such a, we don't have that kind of governance here. Our, our officials are elected. They're not inherited. Uh, the roles are not inherited from, uh, from the family of the person in charge, or at least they're not supposed to be. Right. <laughs> they're not supposed to be. Uh, the difference that we find, though, is when you have that type of government where titles and responsibilities are handed down by uh, by the authority of the blood in you. That's one way to put it. Uh, hereditary. What are some of the problems that that would impose on, say, the United States today? The church speaking against the uh, president. Are there difficulties that we see there that we don't see with priests speaking to a king and vice versa. So compare and or contrast whichever you use. Religious leaders to president, the, priests to king. The, the church speaking to the president, the thing that um, that's different is in this country, the church is looked at as just a group of people. Uh, um, like you would, um, they would section them off by uh, like certain parties would be Democrat, Republican, but you can also say that this group of Democrats is a Christians for Trump or against Trump or anything. You you organize as a group and you wreck you um, the power that you have on that platform really comes down to how many votes you affect. If it's the church, the Christian church united, then that's that's a lot of votes. And you're likely to get a response from a political figure when they see the power in numbers that you have. Whereas in in this time with King Uzziah, they weren't looking at the numbers. They're not looking at um, 
or how many people we can get with us. It didn't matter. It was 80 uh, some odd priests speaking to one king, but the king had sole authority. And they put their lives on the line, but they spoke anyway. And not looking at it, well, it's not a strategy. And that, that's the difference. With, with today, you have to strategize when you talk to people. Um, and if you're going to believe like the priest did, then you have to pray and ask for guidance in how to approach things. Because you may not affect the numbers, but your hope in speaking to any group as the church should is to hope to speak to the heart of the person there, not just the political figure, but the person as you're dealing with, with, with um, what's morally right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So when we look there morally, we have differences. My first one I put down was authority. The authority, where does the authority come from back in Uzziah's day? Where does the authority come from? God. And then who ranks next? Next, Is it the priest or is it the king? Depends on where you are. If you're in the temple, it's the priest. <coughs> but the king. Mm -hmm. The king. The king. And then the priest, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the authority is supposed to, that's how it generally flows. Oftentimes we find that the uh, the word of God uh, the authority though it flows from God to the king and then to the to the people or to the priests we like to take the priests out of that chain of command. However when you look at it the priests are under the king. They have to obey him uh, as he obeys God and when right. he doesn't they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do and the king's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. Uh, today, how is that? Is that different? Where's the authority in this country? Where does it come from? The people. people the people. Voters. Yeah, the people, the consent of the governed. We were talking about our president. Uh, where I was looking at a um, something on him and they were saying that, yeah, there, his behavior is such that a lot of people want him removed. And there is going to be a referendum to remove him. It just so happens to be in 2020, on November the 4th, uh, in November 2020. So if you want him removed, there is a way. In our government, the authorities, it doesn't just swirl around nebulously. There are three separate branches of government that, that uh, not in case, but they hold the most superior authority in each of these edge, uh, areas. The executive has the ultimate authority in this country to execute laws. The, the uh, Congress has the ultimate authority in the United States to legislate. There is nobody that can legislate uh, laws in the United States above what Congress can do. And then there's the judicial branch where the uh, Supreme Court, it interprets the law and it says that the actions of either the uh, judicial, the um, the legislative or executive branch are constitutional or not constitutional. And by them interpret, by the Supreme Court interpreting branches of the other government's actions being unconstitutional, they become unconstitutional and without effect. Laws ca cannot be uh, uh, enforced that are unconstitutional. Enforcement has to be stopped. 
if it's found unconstitutional or if laws are later put in place uh, that address such actions of the, uh, the executive branch. So within the three branches, there are checks and balances on each other. They each one have a way to control the other two branches. Not so in Uzziah's day. The way that you control the king is you do what he says or you go to someplace else so you don't have to be under his rule anymore. That's basically what you did. If you did an insurrection, that's basically illegal. That's treason. They're going to kill you. If you try to hand out flyers to get people to, to change their mind about the king, that's treason. You know, they're going to kill you. So basically, you have to either do what the king says or die. That's, that's your only choices in a kingdom. Um, the thing about what happened with Uzziah was he was the king, legitimately so. The priests were the priests, legitimately so. The priests did not have a check. They do not have a check on the king unless the king is going outside of what God says. At which point the priest stands up, God stands up in the priest, the king listens or don't listen, and then God acts on, on, um, on the resulting behaviors. Um, when we look at what it took for those priests to come against their king, do you think it was as big as or less than what the church has to go through today to go against the president? In one sense, I would say today, there's not as much consequence mm -hmm. because of the freedom that you have to speak your mind because of where the power comes from. Mm -hmm. The power is in the hands of the people. And even though you may be a priest, you're still one of the people. Mm -hmm. And you can let your voice be known, you can um, speak out and I mean, they do comedy sketches against uh, about the president and everything, make fun of the president and all of that stuff in this country. So the ramifications are not the same. Uh, the, I think the more difficult part with today is the church being unified because we allow so many things to divide us, political points being one of them. And this person's a Christian and that person's a Christian. They unify on that. But once this Christian finds out that this Christian is a Democrat or Republican and they're the other of the two, then there's that dividing line. And then all of a sudden what comes into question is the person's Christianity. How can you be a Christian and be a Democrat? How can you be a Christian and be a Republican? And we allow those lines to keep us separated when the point of what Christ did was to unify us, even though we were Gentiles or are Gentiles, we are grafted into the family. Um, so it, it goes against the, the work of Christ to unify us all, to allow these other things to, to divide us. So I think that would be probably the, the biggest hurdle is, is the unity of the Christian body. And when you compare it to then, you're the, the biggest opposition is having the guts to, to do it. 
Because for the most part, the church was united. But, uh, I, I mean, they were united on, um, on principle. But in terms of strategy, how are we going to do, are we going to speak against the king? Even the prophet who, who um, was to tell David that um, thou art the man, he feared for his life. He was saying exactly to the king what God said to him, but there was apprehension because he feared for his own life, but he'd rather do God's will. So that's that's the hurdle they have to come over. We, unity, and not letting things divide us so that we can be one voice. They, whether or not we want to die for what we say. <laughs> and that's true. And it, another layer on that, the, the priest Nathan, or the prophet Nathan spoke to David. He was somebody that David knew. Yeah. They were actually on good terms. But it is a fearful thing to have to speak against another man who has the power of life and death yeah. over you. That's, it's a fearful thing. Because unlike God who reads into your heart, yeah. sees what your true intention is, and can govern himself accordingly, yeah. another man is, he, we're prone to mistakes. We're prone to, prone to looking at other people's intentions through the lens of our own past intentions. So when I do that, it means such and such. So when she does it, it must mean the same thing. You know, God is not like that. So today, I think, based on what everybody's saying here, that uh, the church has it a little easier than the priest did to talk, to speak truth to yeah. power in many ways. Now, in which way do they have it harder? Can anybody think of a way that the church has it harder now than the priest did in the, in the old days? I think a lot of it comes with the time, the time we have left. A lot of it stems from what the pastor had just said. I'm just going to, is that okay? Mm -hmm. Because back then, the offending king, as well as the priest, are from the same religion. Right. They're from literally the same blood, mm -hmm. the same family. They have the same traditions that, that were brought down from the beginning of both of their uh, beginnings. Mm -hmm. Same tribes and everything. So in the old days, there's this common interest between the priest and the, and the king. Today, we have a country where we have people from all over the world, different cultures, different religions, different races, different backgrounds. We have to overcome all of our biases that say that our group is the real group and the other groups are the others. Right. You know, we're, the, we're us. We're all us. They're them. It's the us and them uh, mentality. So today, instead of in the past where everybody's in us and them should be sin or those who are offend the law, mm -hmm. nowadays us is the frag fragmented parts of the church that still will deign to relate to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. even, even, even our similarities sometimes aren't enough to cause us to come together on things such as the leader of our nation is doing something wrong. Should we go against it? Well, this side says, yes, we should go against it because it's improper that he's speaking this way and bring dishonor to his office and, and uh, 
and and dishonor to the country that he would bring uh, bring people in to work through the White House, finding different ways to get around the law to commit what is actually a crime, nepotism. Um, it's actually a crime. Do you realize that the, in the federal government, you can't hire your uh, close relatives, like brothers and sisters uh, and, and sons and daughters, to work for you, except in the White House. It's the only place in the law that says that you can do that. Well, so that the so that the well, think about uh, where it came from around the time of John F. Kennedy, who was his attorney general, his brother uh, Bobby Kennedy, who, who most people will say history. I can't say history records him as because history is not sentient. But when we look at his, he was a good attorney general. John F. Kennedy had some really good things about him as well. But people who didn't like that didn't want people to be able to put their family in, in office. And it's, it makes sense that you not be able to do that. But it also makes sense, according to some, that the president have advisors that he's comfortable with, which does make sense. The problem is the same problem that we have with our country. The founders had a certain way of, a certain worldview where their personal religion was concerned and where the religion of the country was concerned. They did not have in their mind a thought that the nation would have a bunch of Donald Trumps in it, let alone the president be Donald Trump. Some rules just went without saying, were never written down because no person elected to the office of president was ever thought to, would think in this way or that way. So the rule wasn't necessary. It was never written down until it became necessary. Right. Uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, uh, populist president, president of the people, had the folks when he was elected come in from all over Washington, D.C. Poor people, rich people, everybody to the White House for the party. All right? Folks didn't like that. But he was the president. But we look back on it sometimes and we say, he was a good president. He was a man of the people. And we look back at Andrew Jackson sometimes. Some of the things he did were not good at all. But we look back when we say that was good. So now people are afraid that they're going to look back on Trump and say that a lot of what he did was good. Apart from his personal, his personality, were there good things that he's done since he's been in office? That's a very good question. Um, some may be hard pressed to find those things or to name those things. As a matter of fact, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say but what we can say is, it is never wrong to when God directs you to your leader's faults, when God directs you to those faults, mm -hmm. to show your leader what God has shown you to show, to show him.